in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Tommy Lee Jones to your Will Smith, and that this was the closest duo I could come up with with a cult UFO and Illuminati all mixed into one. I, I really couldn't think of something else. I, I definitely threw you for a loop with this one, man. Did, so I was, this is close. <laughs> I, I, I now know I could have gone with, I'm the Jack Parsons to your L. Ron Hubbard, mm-hmm. but that's for later on in the episode. Yeah, we will definitely get there. So today we are going to be talking about Richard Serrett's March 4th, 2023 interview with Isaac Weishaupt about UFOs, the occult, and the Illuminati agenda. I can't wait to hear it all, dude. This is about the closest we've gotten to New World Order elite conspiracy. It is, it is. Now, he's going to be talking about how Aleister Crowley, Jack Parsons, and Scientology's founder, L. Ron Hubbard, are actually responsible for modern UFO sightings and how it's all a plan by the Illuminati cabal. Okay, so I'm going to at least get to dip my toes into some elite conspiracy. You you definitely are. Don't worry. We're we're going to touch on it. We're going to touch on it. Okay. So that will be today's episode, Chris. But before we get to whatever that is going to be, we got to get to our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim Tam. So today's story, Arkansas woman arrested for allegedly selling a slew of stolen body parts online. You can't do that. You, you cannot steal people's body parts and then sell them. Please don't do that, coaster knots. I thought this was America, man. What did... When did we we start getting restricted on what we could and couldn't do? Well, see, I'm very libertarian in that my rights are treaded upon when you start stealing my body parts. That's true. That's a good point. So from the article. In a bizarre story out of Arkansas, authorities allege that a now former mortuary employee stole a staggering array of body parts from her job and subsequently sold them online to a macabre collector. So them being dead body parts puts an interesting wrench into this moral dilemma. Is it? I don't think it's as immoral or nearly as immoral if they are dead. I think so. I think you're right. Uh, What a weird collector that is like, I want semi-alive organs, please. (laughs) A newly unsealed federal indictment reportedly asserts that Candace Chapman Scott literally took her work at the Arkansas Central Mortuary Services home with her in the form of 20 boxes containing various human organs and limbs. So for those coaster knots who didn't know, Paul and I did some time in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Very true. Did you look up to see what city this was? So I think it's Little Rock. Uh, That makes the most sense, though. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's apparently in Little Rock. She had a giant face tattoo. Yeah, it's kind of scary. 
That's the only place a person like that could work is a mortuary with a giant face tattoo. So she didn't have the face tattoo. I believe that's the guy who purchased the body parts. Okay, that makes way more sense. That is a person who buys mortuary body parts. Yeah, that that definitely tracks. He also has spikes coming out of the top of his bald head. Um, So that's that's kind of creepy. I don't like that at all. Now, among the pilfered parts were hearts, lungs, and brains that once belonged to individuals who had donated bodies to a local medical school for study. Making the case even stranger, authorities said that Scott cashed in on the stolen remains by selling them for around $11,000 to a man she met online. Whoa, dude, that's a pretty good profit. I'm going to be honest, though. I feel like $11,000 for 20 boxes containing organs and limbs... Not enough money. I want more money for that. Yeah, you are right. You are right about that. I didn't realize it. I forgot it was that much. That's a lot of body parts. You're having to traffic a ton of body parts and think about your salary versus the chances of you getting caught pulling out 20 boxes of body parts. Like, I don't just thinking about this in like a you fully utilitarian perspective. I don't know if that's worth it. You're right. I don't think it is. <laughs> what is this man doing with the body parts? I think he just wants to have them. He's just a collector. He's just, they're on display? I, don't, I mean, I think he just it's, wants to have them in his house and show them off. Yeah, put them in the freezer. I hope to God he's putting them in formaldehyde or something and not just leaving body parts all around his house. That would be terrifying. I don't know which, what's scarier, That's though, because if you walk in and there's a bookshelf with just jars of formaldehyde with, like, human hearts in it, I don't want to be in that house. I know. Well, I wouldn't be friends with this. I'm going to be honest. You're not supposed (laughs) to judge a book by its cover. This was actually probably a cover that was pretty accurate. You know, studs on your head and half a face tattoo. Yes, that person may have body parts in their house. That's a pretty major body modification. Those studs, dude. That's kind of creepy. That's that's a mental disorder. Detailing the scheme in their indictment, federal prosecutors say that Scott initially approached buyer Jeremy Lee Pauly by brazenly asking, quote, would you know anyone in the market for a fully intact embalmed brain? (laughs) (laughs) I've never been asked that question. I don't I don't ever want to be. I'm not ever responding to anyone who asked that question. I don't talk. Yeah, I may call the police from here on out. (laughs) It would seem that the unorthodox sales pitch worked, as the authorities say. She proceeded to sell several organs and other body parts to the collector in a series of transactions that unfolded over the course of the next nine months. She's just, she went to some bar and saw this bro and was like, I can make $11,000. Apparently, she's like, this guy will buy dead body parts. She knew where to go. You're totally right, though. She totally shortchanged herself. Yeah, you could have gotten more for this. Yeah, you could have gotten more. That dude may have paid more. I mean, none of those body modifications could have been cheap. No, dude, that stuff's so expensive. And the face tattoo? Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. That guy had to have color in that one. Yeah, Yeah, man. The nightmares arrangement was ultimately uncovered by the police, leading to the arrest of both Scott and Polly. She now faces a whopping 12 federal charges for her role in the body part business, while her prize customer faces four charges in his home in the state of Pennsylvania. She was shipping it to Pennsylvania? That's probably how she got caught. That's definitely how she got caught. Don't do that. Don't ship it. Do it's not ship body bad parts. Bad idea. Using the UPS store 
ship the uh what are you shipping uh hearts i mean heart telegrams i mean not hearts yeah bad play man bad play well you know i don't well i mean so here's the thing though because how immoral was this i think it wasn't cool for sure but they were body parts it's that were going to be it was going to be donated to uh science so it's like definitely not cool and i'm not okay with it but it could have been much worse it could have been much worse. It could have been much worse. You're absolutely correct. But, like, they didn't go to science, right? They went yeah. to this weirdo's drawer of body parts. Yeah. But if you're dedicating your body to science, I feel like that means that you don't really care where your body goes when you die. You're kind of, I think you are. If I was, if I was donating my body to science, I would be pissed if that <laughs> dude had my heart on his kitchen table some creepy guy in pennsylvania i'm had not your happy about that dude if i if i can feel some type of way i'm ticked off yeah i'm haunting both this lady and this weird pierced headed man well that uh well hopefully it never happens it's all i have to say i'm not donating my body to science dude i got a very rastafarian attachment to my limbs and organs Science has enough bodies already. They'll 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 survive with that. They'll one. figure it out, dude. All right. So now for some housekeeping. Uh, number one, you can support the show on Patreon by following the link in the show notes. You'll get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and exclusive patron-only episodes where we'll be reading the most stolen book in history, Behold a Pale Horse by Bill Cooper, the father of modern conspiracy. Now, if you don't have any cash to give us, you can support us by dropping us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribing wherever you see the button or wherever you listen. Really helps us out with the algorithm. And you can also send us posi vibes to c2cpmpod at gmail.com or find us on Reddit our coast to coast PM, all that will be in the show notes as well. Let's get going to Richard Serrett's interview from March 4th, 2023 with Isaac Weishaupt. Now, Chris, you may know the name Weishaupt or the last name Weishaupt is actually the founder of the original Illuminati back in like Bavaria. So what? Yeah, that's where that last name comes from. That's not his actual last name. This is a pseudonym, but uh, if any of our listeners are familiar with the name Weishaupt, there is no relation. Okay. It's a very Illuminati right. name is all I wanted to call out. Yes. <laughs> wow, dude. That, that's deep into the lore of Illuminati. I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah, dude. I know I know a lot of Illuminati stuff. I just don't pick the episodes a lot because a lot of times they will get kind of anti-Semitic. This one right. doesn't, though. This yes. one doesn't, which is nice. So first off, to kick things off, uh, to be I, fair, I think it is important for us to talk about that stuff, though. Yeah, it's a good point. We probably should. I'll try and find one at some point. I think it is important for us to talk about this stuff. But also, I just wanted to mention before we blow right past it, very excited to get a Richard Serrett, dude. It's been a little bit. We have, Do you want a little taste of his intro? Let's go. I don't remember the last time I played his intro. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. I just always love that one. Dude. I'm Richard Serrett. <laughs> I love that one. It's so nice. It's so good, dude. It's one of the best. And what a smooth voice, dude. Yeah. Very smooth. Just kind of rocks you to sleep. And he's Canadian, so I love that because I love my Canadians. You do it's, love your our Canadians. And it's I, all great. I love uh, some, the people of Canada. 
and something I like about Richard Serrett too that he's been doing is that on, during open lines he says like no politics, no COVID. So I think he's like kind of trying to drive some of that stuff out, which is yeah. you know kind of appreciated because the colors are a little wild when it comes to some things. So I don't know. I, I've been enjoying listening to him lately. That's why. I Do they him. respect that when he says it? Uh, they try. I think he usually gives like prompts for the open lines. Now is what he's been doing. So it's like, let's call in, give me an idea about like this thing. Yeah. Which which is kind of fun. That may be a good way to do it though. You Mm -hmm. know, because like we said, the coast callers can get stuck on stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so if you got one person calling about COVID, Uh that means you're about to have 20 callers calling in who all want to talk about COVID. Yeah. That's and true. I can see how that would get so annoying, you know, every single night that you host coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, def- I mean, it's annoying listening to it, honestly. Um, right. It, it really can be. So to start off, our boy Isaac is really stoked to be on coast. And the reason why I pulled this is because he he mentioned something that uh, relates to our, our Patreon, which I thought was kind of fun. Richard, man, thank you for having me on. I'm on. I, I'm over the moon excited to be on this show. I I grew up in the 90s, you know, listening to Coast to Coast, watching X-Files as a teenager, just obsessed with aliens and stuff like that, and reading Bill Cooper. And, uh, you know, to, to actually get to this point where I can, you know, like you said earlier, it's I'm trying to figure out the truth, and I haven't found it yet, but I'm more than happy to share my thoughts on what I have found. And, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm humbled to be on this great show, so thank you very much. So we got a fellow traveler here, dude, Billy Coop. <laughs> He's a big Bill Cooper guy. He brings Bill Cooper up a lot on his interview. I can't, dude. All right. That's that's positive in his court, dude. So that's a good way to start mentioning the Godfather. <laughs> so uh, the the other things, he kind of jumps into it. He has an engineering background. Okay. Um, but then he started getting really into conspiracies, and then he started like a YouTube channel um, and got really into like magic and the occult. And then sadly, I think his YouTube channel uh, got demonetized. It, it does appear to be up, but he says YouTube canceled him. So I think it's just like a demonetization thing that he's talking about here. Right, right. Yeah. Which is kind of a form of canceling. I mean, not that we make any money on YouTube, but we've been demonetized several times already. And I, <laughs> I've had to fight yeah. YouTube. I'm like, I know I'm not making any money, but you shouldn't be going after me for this. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, because they go after us for talking about conspiracies yes and like you don't even mention the word don't mention the word we're gonna get demonetized (laughs) this episode will be demonetized i'll now have to fight them again and listen to me stop that people should be able to say covid they're not listening no there's no one listening at youtube no one cares nobody cares it's the algorithm the algorithm is the only thing listening that's my favorite thing is when people get mad at YouTube and like act like there's someone who's clicking a button. It's all automated, dude. It's just a giant machine. It's Rohibwam. Yeah, it really is. All right, so magic YouTube cancellation. Let's get into it. The the concepts sort of seem to fit that maybe these people, these architects of society or high ups in entertainment industries, they are trying to conduct magic on a certain level and trying to create a reality of their own and uh, to me it just seems like that's the way things have been going in the last few years things have been really heating up a lot uh, a lot of a lot of my colleagues and of course myself included have been uh, you know censored a ton uh, kicked off of platforms and you know and, and I try to be very respectful about these topics and the people I'm talking about 
and I find it interesting that they, you know, they, they ban me off of YouTube and things like that. Uh, you know, but anyway, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And, and what I want to get across is the idea that even though my faith-based belief system tells me a certain thing, I try not to let that bleed into the information that I'm trying to present as, as much as one can. So he said faith-based there, Paul. Does, is, so he's a pretty strong Christian guy? He's actually Greek Orthodox Christian. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting monkey wrench into the whole thing. Greek Orthodox. And the funny thing is that Richard Serrett's also Greek Orthodox, so they just had a little Greek Orthodox thing going on on this episode. Whoa, dude. Yeah. That is nutso. Yeah, both of them married Greek Orthodox women, so they converted. They converted into Greek Orthodoxy. Yeah. yeah. This is why this is this, we may need to do a whole episode on that, dude. Yeah. I am <laughs> fascinated by this now. Yeah, there's there was a lot happening on this episode, dude. It's all over the place. I will say the Illuminati will not be Greek Orthodox. No, no. They, uh, so I I trust that he is not a part of the Illuminati. This is not right. I, <laughs> you sold me. <laughs> Greek Orthodox. So I didn't even know you guys existed still. I thought it was there was like a great schism and you guys like fell off the side of the earth or something. I th the only reason why I know anything about the Greek Orthodox is I think they're still like relatively active in Ukraine. So yes, they, I've, well, I've seen a lot of pictures. They would be Ukrainian Orthodox, but yes. Well, but I think they're still referred to as Greek Orthodox, right? I think they all are different. It's like, you know, Baptists and Presbyterians and Anglicans are all Presbyterians, but each of them, I believe, has their own patriarch now. Oh, well, I have no idea how it works, but yeah, that's that's what he's up to. Yeah. And the other thing that he was kind of talking to and, and to give you an idea of what his you know, overall thesis is, is that the Illuminati has this agenda to drive humanity down an evil path of Luciferianism by putting like symbols in our pop culture that then yeah. is like in our movies and video games and TV shows that manipulate our subconscious minds and drive us to do bad things or act badly and overall like give the the illuminati control of society it's just propaganda that's all it really is right yeah but he he takes it more as magic so it's right, like magic right, right, propaganda right. yeah it's manifesting mm -hmm. and it's working on our psyches but at the end of the day it's really just propaganda yeah but with magical properties yeah basically pretty much that's what's going on okay okay all right that's easy enough to get my head around so he also mentions the occult a lot so they go into kind of what he's talking about when he when he refers to the occult and what those practices look like uh what do you mean by by uh occult the occult what do, what are you yeah um... and, that, and that, that's a good that's a good question because a lot of people um get thrown off by that term, you know, the word occult is Latin for the, it means hidden, right? And it's, and it's kind of an umbrella term for a variety of beliefs and philosophies that are, you know, essentially hidden from the masses, meaning that, I mean, this could go all the way back to the book of Genesis, if you wanted to take it that far with the book of, uh, book of Enoch and stuff like that. But uh, we're, we're talking about a secret doctrine handed down in various, underground occult groups or secret societies, uh, these occult practices are hidden. And they're hidden from the public because my, my theory is that it's based upon a Luciferian system, meaning 
they think that God is actually Lucifer. That's their God. You can find a lot of these ideas in in pop culture and entertainment, and that's where I come in because that's of of the world. And I, I consume entertainment. I consume movies and music, and and I read about these occult belief systems, and I say, wow, that's really interesting because these same messages seem to be popping up in entertainment in places that you wouldn't think it should be. So he's kind of saying that it's a, a Gnostic type thing where it's the God we believe to be God is actually the evil one. And the good God has kind of been imprisoned and shoved away for whatever reason. Yeah. In a, in a way, I think the the difference is the Luciferian cabal seems I think that they know that they're bad is the only difference because the Gnostics thought that they were good and the Luciferians are like, no, we want to bring it. You know, we want to bring everyone down this bad path. So I think that would be the biggest difference. But yeah, it's 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 very Gnostic. That was kind of the first thought I was having, too. Yeah, that's interesting. But I would kind of argue they probably see what they're doing as good for whatever reason. Or do you th- or does he think they explicitly see this we are causing negativity in the world? He doesn't he doesn't really go into that. So I guess it would be possible. That's I think going back to Bill Cooper, that's one of the things that Bill Cooper kind of gets into is that the Illuminati think that they're doing the right thing. Right. Right. Yes. Um and that's kind of the important aspect I think there is that it's not necessarily nefarious in their eyes. But yeah, one of the kind of ideas I've been having in the back of my head when it comes to this stuff is look at the Georgia, Georgia, the state, their little Stonehenge that they had that had the like the Ten Commandments of rebuilding civilization after like a major catastrophe yeah, the guide stones. Yeah, yeah, the guide stones, the guide yeah. stones. Thank you. And I'll put it in the show notes for those who, who don't know about this. But honestly, I feel like that's legitimately just the Illuminati plan. That is very similar to like what um, Bill Cooper seems to lay out for the Illuminati plan. I think actually um, our, our boy Isaac doesn't really get that much into what right. the end game is, but yeah, I, I think it is. And I think that's one of those things like Alex Jones was obsessed with the guide stones. Right. Um, and I think for that reason, because it's talking about how, if I remember correctly, we shouldn't have more than like 500 million people on earth yeah. <laughs> in like all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's about they, like limiting population growth and controlling yes. resources. Yes. Yeah. And so if there is like an Illuminati plan, I kind of just figure it's something along those lines. Yeah. Like yeah. they're not going to kill everyone, but they would. And and to be fair to the Illuminati, there are too many humans. Like we can't sustain an American consumption at these levels. If seven, eight, nine billion people want to consume at the level that we do. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about a lot of these types of conspiracies, right? Is like, I don't know. It's almost like a, like drugs there's a reason why people do drugs. It's because they feel good. Right. Cause like you really like the way you feel when you do them. And it's like with conspiracies, 
there's like grains of truth in a lot of this stuff. Like yes. with the Illuminati agenda that um, Isaac or like Coops talks about, a lot of it is like this overpopulation thing, which I think a lot of people feel that anxiety of like, we keep growing, we consume stuff like this can't be sustainable. Like what happens when it ends? So what if there's this organization or cabal that's trying to stop that, but they want to do it in a way that's going to like restrict our freedoms or our ability to move or ability to like have families. Right. And that's kind of like a scary thought, but I think it it is built around this, this natural anxiety that I think a lot of people already have, you know what I mean? Right. Well, and it's interesting that the new strain of this is very understanding of the fact that if this was to happen, that it's the American populace in which it needs to happen to first. <laughs> yeah. Because we are the biggest money mouths, dude. Yeah. We are the biggest consumers. We consume way more than the rest of the planet. Yeah, that's true. And so, like, anything bad that happens would have to happen to Americans first. So we're not going to be the ones that stick around. Yeah, we got to get ourselves under control, I think, is what we're getting to here. Right. So, well, anyways, this is all very interesting stuff, dude. All yeah, right. I, you know, this, I, I like Isaac because, and this is going to be, like, a very obscure reference that, like, three listeners are going to get. But there's this bar called Neighbors in Nashville that I used to go to and people would just sit around and talk about weird stuff like this. And he just reminds me of someone that I would sit next to at neighbors and talk with for like three hours and like, just tells me all these conspiracies. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, dude, totally. You know what I mean? It's, like he just has this like vibe. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a bro dude. Yeah. bro dude. You know, no, he's not like, he, he's not coming off negatively. Yeah. Because I don't think any of this comes from like a negative place, which is nice. It's not angry. It's just like, man, these Luciferian symbols in pop culture. Like he has, he has a video about Superman four, the like Luciferian symbology of of Superman four, which is just kind of funny. Honestly, that's awesome. Actually, <laughs> more more content like that, please. Like I don't really have a big issue with that. That's just kind of goofy. I'm, yeah, I'm that's we'll fine. Fuck it. Like whatever. That's dude. fine. <laughs> All right, so let's get into um, some of the magical aspects of this, specifically Alistair Crowley, the OG crazy magician guy. Alistair Crowley, to you, to go to your example there, it was he's an interesting guy because he went around the world, just like Pythagoras, he went around the world synthesizing different ideas from you know Tibet and the Middle East and all of these groups that have this occult knowledge. And what he did was he started doing his own sort of blend of a mixture of, of magical principles. And in 1917, he conducted a ritual that's called the Amalantra Working. And in 1917 in New York, he did this, and he made contact with an alien. I mean, it looks like an alien named Lam, L-A-M, which means the path or the way. And this, this alien entity that he drew out was the first gray alien that was ever depicted. We're going to have to do a whole episode on Aleister Crowley we may have to do a series because there's so much weird stuff that I don't want to get stuck into a an Aleister Crowley hole yeah but let me give you my one theory behind Aleister Crowley I would love to know what you think about it yeah go for it I am convinced that he was an early Jeffrey Epstein for the British government. That's interesting. Je Jeffrey Epstein in terms of someone who is getting dirt on rich people yes. or someone who is yes. exactly. running a pedophile cabal. 
Uh, well, not necessarily the. It's more about the information gathering, honeypot yeah. nature, because he was getting all these British aristocrats to do weird stuff. Yeah, and Americans too. And America. I mean, dude, all over. I mean, all over the world. He was going to Egypt. He was going to India. He was going to crazy places, dude, and just getting the elites there to like get naked and like jerk off into a cup, dude. <laughs> and chant for six hours in a circle while doing that too. It was just yes. He get, he got into weird weird stuff, man. Dude, I'm pretty sure it was a honeypot by the Riddick, like an early form of the Secret Service or like some kind of secret, kind of like an early form of the Kingsmen. Yeah. Well, here's what I I do believe that he was fully sincere in his belief structure i don't think that he was like necessarily grifting that part was he also an agent at the same time maybe i don't know i haven't actually i haven't i don't think i've heard that before to be honest um but it's certainly possible but he also he was like this giant occultist he started his own religion called thelema which there are still a couple practitioners of today so like he does have a magical yes. legacy in the right circles right right That's hey i'm cool. not trying to say anything against his prolific nature i'm just saying i'm pretty sure he was attached to an early paramilitary secret kind of spy ring for the british government because he was also going to all these weird places that were a part of the british empire yeah, well, he also, um, it maybe wasn't a bad idea for him to do that because it would have kept the government off his back while he was doing his weird stuff. <laughs> and they did. Yeah. They did stay off his back. They let the man live. Let him do his magic. They let him get away with all this crazy stuff because he was a honeypot for them. All right, well, we'll do an episode on it. We'll do an episode on it. So Crowley learns how to like speak Enochian, which is this like, you know, allegedly ancient language, but not really. It's all kind of fake. Uh, but you're supposed to be able to like, you know, summon elementals and stuff with it. It's like this kind of magical language. Um, and then Jack Parsons, who was the founder of the, uh, I believe it was the Jet Propulsions Laboratory. So he was a, basically a, a rocketeer, like a, a rocket scientist. And this was yeah. Before rockets were a thing. So right. he was like a crazy man, basically, who was making things go boom, right? This yeah. wasn't like necessarily a serious thing, but he was like a very intelligent guy. We called it, it rocket serious. propulsion. It was really explosions. Yeah, things, yeah, a lot of explosions, but he was a very smart guy. He goes to Crowley. He's in this scene and he says, like, hey, I want to like make the Antichrist. Can you help me out with that? Casual. <laughs> Casual request. Casual. <laughs> And Jack Parsons, the, the founder of JPL, he was a an occultist. He practiced ritual magic of all kinds. Uh, he's got a very fascinating life story. But he wanted to do that amalanche for working. And Crowley said, okay, here you go. Here's a modified version. It's called the, the Babylon working because what Jack Parsons was attempting to do was to make contact with this um, uh, the Scarlet Woman archetype because he wanted to incarnate a female that he could procreate with to literally birth the Antichrist, um, very much like a Rosemary's Baby kind of story. Because Jack Parsons even, even called himself the Antichrist. He was very much obsessed with trying to bring about Aleister Crowley's vision of the New World Order that he had subscribed to. Of, they called it the Aeon of Horus, and that was 
a, a new age of man where we got rid of all these, you know, what he he believed to be silly beliefs in in God and uh, all the Abrahamic faiths that that people were subscribed to. Dude, what year is this? Uh, I believe this would have been around 1947. We'll we'll find out in just a moment, but yeah, it was it would have been like 47, I think. Oh my gosh, dude, this is all incredibly terrifying. Yeah, and the other thing about this too is that um, Isaac's done his research on this, dude. All this is this is real stuff. <laughs> all these people were doing this crap, like like Parsons and um, uh, Aleister Crowley were like working to like make a baby antichrist basically was was ultimately their goal and they were messing around with like that kind of magic i'm not loving that one of the like smartest humans in america at the time is actively trying to make an antichrist yeah that i think it doesn't make me feel good yeah he was going for it dude he was going for it that's a terrifying proposition because if anybody could do it it would have been the U.S. military <laughs> around 1947, dude. We were putting money into the craziest stuff. Do you think? Do you think the U.S. military was funding Jack Parsons making a uh, baby Antichrist? I think it's possible. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't. They were past... funding JPL, which would have given Jack Parsons his salary, which means they're at least indirectly responsible <laughs> for any money that went into the creation of an Antichrist baby. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't put it past the U.S. government, and that's not me um, saying in any way that any of what Jack Parsons was doing was real. It's me saying how stupid the American government is. Dude, there was a senator who was like, yeah, we can give him a million dollars. Why not? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. All right, so let's get to uh, the, the UFO portion of the story, because I have to tie all this in, right? How, how did Jack Parsons cause UFOs? Because I said that at the top of the show. So did Parsons open up? essentially open up a portal out there in the desert somewhere? That's that's the way the story goes. Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard were out there doing the Babylon working ritual. They opened up some portals. He actually met Marjorie Cameron. She's got a fascinating life story as well, but uh, he actually met her. They weren't successful in having a child together to create the Antichrist. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> but uh, he opened up a bunch of portals, and Alistair Crowley was – he wasn't a fan of Jack Parsons. He thought he was reckless and he thought he was a buffoon. And even there's, there's correspondence of Crowley saying like, this guy's an idiot. He's, he's not going to close these portals up. Right. And then what happens the very next year in 1947, we get the Roswell crash uh, out there in New Mexico. And if, well, we get a, not just the Roswell crash. We get uh, we get a whole, you know, uh, we, the Kenneth Arnold UFO sighting, and we get like just a, a wave of of wow. UFO sightings, all beginning in '47. So, the idea that the Parsons opened up this portal and that was responsible for the the birth, I guess, of the modern day UFO phenomenon, and he didn't close the portal because he he died in a, a in an explosion, didn't he? I'm freaking out, dude. <laughs> I don't like this at all now. This is this is getting creepy. Dude, so what I thought was really interesting about this and why I want to talk about it, because it's the inverse of ancient alien theory. Right. So, you know, ancient aliens is we have the Bible and all this stuff, but like what all this all all these like weird occurrences are referencing are actually aliens coming down. Um, like when uh, Elijah goes on his like flaming chariot, it's actually like a UFO, like all that kind of stuff. It's all aliens. This is saying all UFOs are actually angels and demons that Jack Parsons opened these portals to like the the like afterlife realm, basically. And these angels and demons are coming through. And that's what we're seeing as UFOs. So I've had 
I've had a little bit of a different interpretation of what's going on. I think what we consider to be angels and demons is interdimensional, right? Mm-hmm. And aliens are, are on our dimension. So aliens would be things that came from a different planet, but within our realm. Yeah. I think what Aleister Crawley and Jack Parsons were doing were messing with dimensions. Yeah. And so, so to be fair to the ancient alien heads out there, this could, this could still work that we had, we've had aliens on our plane come to our planet, but now we've ripped open a portal and these are actually different things. Yeah, and from from Isaac's perspective, all of this is kind of wrapped up in his Greek orthodoxy, I right. think. But right. you know, if if you do want to incorporate the Aleister Crowley stuff into an ancient aliens theory, I think you're right. I think there is a way to do it because a lot of UFO people talk about interdimensional beings because yes. like it's really hard to prove UFOs um, are like anything at all. So that's a great way of kind of you know working in more narratives about mantis creatures or yes you know the the nordics the yes. tall lights all that stuff trying to create a world where all this can be true baby you're you're making the umbrella uh ufo theory always always bring it but <laughs> i am legitimately creeped out at the prospects that these fools opened up a portal and you know what really scares me is how much credence alistair crowley is giving it yeah, yeah. Well, everything, whenever I listen to anything about Aleister Crowley, I just get kind of creeped out because he's just a scary dude and he was doing creepy stuff. Yeah. Where he's just like, Jack Parsons is going to open up a portal and this fool isn't going to close it. And what happens when he doesn't close it for an an eon? I also just love the idea that all of the UFOs that we're seeing is because Jack forgot to close the portal. It's like he left the door open and then a bunch of beings came through. Here's the thing, dude. It took about 10 to 20 years for this thing to really get out and get going. But what happens in 10 to 20 years, dude? 1967. The late 60s, early 70s, dude. And now... Whatever this portal open, dude, is just sit here and locked in, dude, and just feeding off the negativity. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get more into these UFOs, right? Dude, I thought you were giving us a crazy one. This is crazy and like crazy like a fox, dude. <laughs> oh, are you converting to Isaac's team? I maybe. Well, let's keep going. So we haven't gotten to like some of the more religious stuff yet. So he says that these UFOs may actually be signs of the end times. So the the modern day uh, UFO ET phenomenon is is connected to Genesis six, the fallen angels that came down and reportedly landed at Mount Hermon and took the daughters of men, commingled with the daughters of men, and, and produced this uh, angel human hybrid. That is. Uh, connected then to the modern day alien abduction phenomenon, same same type of deal, right? There are. I'm trying to come up with the the, the reference in the Bible. There's a reference to Christ saying that the end times will be just like the days of Noah, and that Book of Enoch is talking about how 
the watchers, these fallen angels, before the flood, they came to earth, procreated, taught man all these w- wicked ways of living, and, you know, God did the, did the great deluge and flooded everything out. It just, it's a lot of red flags to me that makes me think, man, maybe we should be a little careful with some of this stuff. So I'm not sure how any of that attracts to the days of Noah. So UFOs. because uh, the reason why Noah was flooded, um, if you like interpret Genesis and the book of Enoch together, it's because the watchers are like these, these um, angelic beings were coming down. They were like sleeping with humanity and they were making like these breeds of, of humans that were really bad. So then God sent the deluge to kill everyone except Noah and his family who were just human uh, and they were the survivors. So what uh, Isaac is saying is that we are reaching that state again, potentially, that these watchers or angelic beings are coming back to Earth and that once again, God may have to purge Earth to cleanse all of these like maybe like hybrid beings who are going to end up populating Earth because of that fact. I'd, what hybrid beings are there around? Um, that's a great question uh, to direct towards Isaac. That's the tie that he's making here. I think their presence is what he's saying, maybe the start of the end times, and maybe okay. they're going to make these hybrid beings, which is, that goes back to the Book of Enoch, which I know we talked about in our Giants episode. Um, but, you know, these creatures that were like having sex with with uh, people when they landed. Well, and you know me, I'm always trying to think of what is the real world version of this right what is the meme of this idea that actually translates into the physical world and the two things that come to mind are longevity and artificial intelligence that's Uh, literally expand on that so that's literally so for artificial intelligence that is humanity playing god quite literally well, in both cases, it's humanity playing God. Mm-hmm. But I think longevity and artificial intelligence will be two of the things that are humanity's downfall, if there are some. Ooh, that's wait, that's kind of a fun idea. The idea of longevity, maybe the ancient civilization yes. from the times of Abraham and Noah just yes. figured out how to live super long. And then we yes. lost that knowledge. That's a fun one. I hadn't thought about that before. Yes. So it's all, I'm, I'm always trying to make these connections. <laughs> and I think that is some of it because, you know, we, we see like 900 years or a thousand years or whatever for some of the lives of these people. And it's like, well, that's insane. Yeah. But maybe it wasn't insane. <laughs> that's interesting. That's a very interesting one, man. All right, so with UFOs, obviously, there are a lot of contactees, too. So, like, when someone is a contactee, that means that they have made contact in some way with alien beings. Either, like, aliens showed up in their room at the foot of their bed, or they were abducted and taken onto a spaceship, or they were brought to a secret mountain headquarters where the aliens are hiding out at, right, in Mount Shasta. All these are possibilities for contactees. But, like, when someone is a contactee, who are they actually talking to, according to Isaac? Um, but, again, not discounting the possibility that when, when we're talking about aliens and we're, then we're talking about the, the uh, angelic realm, we could be also communicating with uh, the good angels, the angels with, wearing the white hats as opposed to the rebellious uh, fallen angels. I, yes, I believe that wholeheartedly i think that um and i 
I spoke to, uh, I like to call him a friend of mine, Ryan Bledsoe, his father, Chris Bledsoe, was a very famous UFO contactee, and they healed him of a disease. Uh, I do think that there are angelic entities. I don't think they're all bad. My, my personal preference is I don't personally try to make contact with anything of the uh, other dimensional variety because, you know, it, there's a certain amount of discernment I believe you should try to have, and I think it could be dangerous. In the same exact boat, dude. Don't mess with it. It's, it's basically like a Ouija board. Do not mess with it. Only bad can happen. You, we hear one in a thousand stories that a good thing happens. All, all the other stories are bad stuff. Yeah, well, you know, some of them are good. Some people have really positive experiences. But it's it's rare compared to the amount of bad stories we've heard. Granted, now, a lot of these people are also initiating negative thoughts and negative requests, right? Yeah. yeah. So maybe that is a difference. Like we said, like with the Jesus Ouija board. Yeah. If you're just trying to contact Jesus, I don't know. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe you'll but get to him, man. Let's not try it. Let's we'll see Jesus one day if God wills it. Yeah, and and specifically what they're talking about there when it comes to contactees um uh actively attempting to to reach aliens or whatever is uh CE5, which is Close Encounters 5, which has been kind of coined by Stephen Greer. Uh, which is where you go out into like the desert or kind of an empty field or something and you meditate with your friends and look into the sky and like UFOs supposedly will will come at you. So that I've was seen thing, him. Like, I've seen him do those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him do those. Yeah. So, uh, you know, according to Isaac, don't mess with Stephen Greer, dude. He's he's may bring some demons on you by accident. I'm more and more convinced every time this dude talks. <laughs> Should we get to the uh, predictive programming part of the, the the episode? Oh, please, dude. I'm so excited to hear this because I'm already in the belief stage. All right. So now we're going to roll this into the Illuminati portion of things now that we've covered the occult and UFO. To try to explain what this is besides just saying, oh, yeah, they like to show us what's going on before it happens. Because everyone can sort of say, okay, maybe, but there's not. There's no science behind that. So for me, I, I'm like, I need a little more than that. So I, I was digging in, and there's a couple resources. The first one, there's a book called Infernal Magic about the Order of Nine Angles, basically another one of these occult groups, okay? And, and I got a quote I'll read you from the book, so talking about signs and symbols. And so according to this theory, the magician utilizes signs and symbols as part of a communication process with a phenomenon she wishes to understand or affect. And it talks about sigils being implanted into the subconscious as part of making a necessary space between action and the ability of the sigil to continue to work below the level of conscious thought. And to me, when I read that, they're saying through, you know, we'll talk about this predictive programming, through entertainment, through films, you can teach a lesson that can go into the subconscious of the masses where they can it can later be retrieved. He's talking about inception. Yeah, it's 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 exactly inception pretty much. Yeah. No, dude. I I, I don't have any problem with this so far. Uh there's symbols are powerful. Symbols mm -hmm. are incredibly powerful. Our whole 
perception of the world is based upon memes. And for our longtime listeners, you've heard my meme diatribe, but just real quick, I'm not talking about the little pictures that we share with our buddies that have funny text and a goofy picture on it. When I'm talking about a meme, I'm talking about the genetic version of a thought that can penetrate our heads and we hold on to it. Isaac's Greek orthodoxy is a meme. His belief in this Illuminati UFO Aleister Crawley occult connection is a meme, right? This idea that has propelled him through physical space to do things and interact with the world in such a way that it changes things, right? And so, no, I don't find any fault in what he's saying. If you could figure out if there was a real science on how to propagate a meme, and this was this became just like the Freemasons, who their meme was a was you know how to build a building. This is how to control the populace. I don't fault him for thinking that that's possible. I didn't ask you to, because what what I think is interesting here is because um, I mean he's. He's using magic as a way of explaining propaganda, kind of like we said earlier. Right. And it, it I think if you watch his YouTube channel, a lot of the stuff he's talking about is a little silly and paranoid. But like the idea of it where like you can use media to control people like makes total sense. Like uh, my wife and I recently watched the original Top Gun and the original Top Gun is an insanely fun movie. I love it. It's great if you haven't seen it. It is DOD propaganda. Right. right? Like how many kids do you think signed up? for the air force or the military or the Navy or like, you know, like anything at all because of Top Gun, probably a lot, dude, probably a more lot than of them wanted to fly a plane. More than one. <laughs> definitely more than one. <laughs> so like, yeah. And, and I, I, I do definitely think that's a thing. Um, now, whether or not it's actual magic, um, that's, that's a different story, but yeah, I think, you know, this sort of like using media pen- to manipulate people um, is, is certainly something that, that folks do. This basic idea, is what they've been selling for the last 20 years this like manifesting your future woo-woo-ness right doing uh what are they called uh, uh manifestation boards and stuff or wish boards and you know uh, the uh, secret vision boards, vision vision boards. boards thank yeah. you and the secret and all this mm-hmm. this is what all this is essentially is like yeah. manifesting your thoughts so actually, that's that's one of the things that he talks about is how these magicians, these Illuminati members are bending reality to their will. All right. So it's not necessarily a, um, about predicting future events. Uh, it's just it's creating it's almost like top down creating reality top down. Yeah, you, you nailed it. That's exactly it. They're, they're creating reality. You know, Alistair Crowley said the magic is um, the, the uh, co- uh, creating reality in the conformity with the will, which means the magicians, these occultists, they want to create their own reality. And, and again, when you get into some of this stuff and you know, some people that are particularly religious, they would say, oh, that's satanic. But when you boil it down – it's satanic in the sense that they're seeking to do their own will to make the world fit better for them. 
uh, for reasons of greed and power and so on, as opposed to what in the Christian worldview we would want to do God's will. Um, that's the main difference here, and it's it's the magicians trying to create a new reality using some of these techniques that they've used for hundreds of years. And that's why we call them lizard people, Paul, because they're lizard brained. They can only think of their individual selves, which is a lizard, not a human. And to be human is to be God and to see humanity as our brothers and sisters, dude, and to Look away from that, dude, and not just look away from it, but actively cause pain is satanic, dude. I definitely agree with Isaac on that. Well, also, the reason why a lot of people call them lizard people is because they think they're literally lizard people. But I would be (laughs) interested to know how many, you know, that again, they're just using the meme. No, but like deep down, David Icke believes they're lizards. David Icke is a kook. John Rhodes thinks they're lizards. <laughs> Don't even. Anyways, but I'm just saying, that's why I always give our conspiracy people a little credence, dude, because, yeah, they're lizard-brained. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so I have a really funny caller that I wanted to share with you, Chris. This person is freaking hammered and calls in to ask Isaac a question. And I just I just busted out laughing when I heard this one. It's It's bad. It's real bad. Let's say hi to Jade in Lake Tahoe. Jade, welcome to Coast. Hi. Hi there, Jade. Go ahead. You're on the line with Isaac Weishaupt. I am. I am in the Sierra Nevada mountains. We have, I I think it is um, the most snowstorm that we have had in a hundred years. We have like 50 feet of snow. 50 feet. 50 feet of snow. Wow. Yes. My brother, yes. All right. Did you have a question for Isaac? When we have, like, elemental things in real life, but then there's spiritual things in the spiritual world, how do you discern that there's 50 feet of snow and I have to be spiritual on your le- level, like what do you what what? Give me some advice. That was bad, <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Wasted, dude. And that I just want to reiterate that was on the radio across the country. <laughs> Incredible, dude. What are you talking about? There's 50 feet of snow and the elementals. How am I supposed to be spiritual, Isaac? <laughs> Do you want to hear Isaac's response? Yes. So this actually made me really like Isaac because he was so nice about this, dude. (laughs) That's a good question. You know, that's a a great question. Now, if you want my personal opinion, like my personal take uh, as a follower of Christ would be to consult with the Bible, uh, talk to my spiritual father. I would say don't live somewhere where you can get 50 feet of snow. I just love he's like, that's a great question. It's like, no, dude, you know this is nonsense. He was being that was so an nice. Awful question. Yeah, it was it made no sense. Terrible made, question. I was trying to piece it together because she was like, there's 50 feet of snow, which is impossible. That's not true. 
but like was she talking about like elementals were dumping snow on her and how can she be spiritual if she's being attacked by elementals was that what she was getting at that may have been the question that <laughs> it didn't come across question. but i think that might have been what she was I getting i think at. <laughs> that may have been the question but man she was just too hammered to get it through dude, through the finish line just slurn slurn her way through it dude but you know god bless coast to coast they leave those people on the air also how did she get past the call screener not doing their job dude <laughs> someone messed up i got a question about spiritual elemental snow well, Chris, uh, that will wrap up our uh, episode with our good friend Isaac Weishapt. Uh Scale of one to five, what do you what do you give our boy here? Isaac's getting a five from me, dude. I loved everything about it. He gets a five. He gets a five. I rarely get fives, too, dude. I that like you said, uh, you get maybe you gave me the best of Isaac. But man, I didn't really have too many faults with any of it. Yeah, it, well, I think he was—I think he was really on point for being on coast. He was clearly really excited about it. Um, so I, I think he was. I didn't even like give you the best in terms of the interview. I think he was just really, you know, pretty solid during this interview. Um, I'm gonna give him a three, and it, I don't agree with his thesis, which I think knocks him a point, a couple points. But I really like him. Right. So that's why he's getting a three is because I think he's solid. I would definitely want to sit down, have a beer and hear more of his thoughts on it for sure. Um, Cause I think he's kind of a fun dude. I'm going to have nightmares about Jack Parsons ripping up a portal <laughs> and just alien next dimensional beings zipping through for the last 70 years. So scary. That's a terrifying thought. I don't like it. I'm not happy about that one, Isaac, but I'm not taking a point off for it. <laughs> All right. Well, that will be our episode of Coast to Coast PM. Uh, we drop every Thursday, so we will be back next Thursday with more. Uh, if you like the show, uh, check us out on Patreon, where you can find our latest uh, Patreon-exclusive release episode. Uh, that'll be it. We'll see y'all next week. Let's go over to the Patreon, Paul. Let's All conspiracy, all the time. Later. Later.